I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Quiet, please. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Never apologize for being patriotic. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. And now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. My memory is so bad I let you speak. Lars Larson. We have done the work uh, to make sure we're dealing with a broken immigration system. The Republicans have gotten in the way. They have gotten in the way. And that's what we continue to see over and over and over again. That, of course, is the gaslight gal herself. Karine Jean-Pierre, affirmative action hire at the White House, telling Americans that Joe Biden is doing the border job that they hired him to do. Now, this takes a certain amount of chutzpah when you show up in front of TV cameras and you say, of course my boss is doing the job, when in fact Americans just have to open their eyes and open their ears and understand he's not doing anything of the sort. He has created the problem. Yeah, you'd have to be kind of a very, very simple-minded Democrat to be able to buy that kind of nonsense. But meanwhile... Joe Biden is on the border. He landed a short time ago, didn't take any questions, just got out of Air Force One and into that big beast, the limousine. And his own border patrol kind of sets the tone for this one because Joe Biden, as you'll remember, is the head of the executive branch of government. And his own border patrol, the union that represents all those border patrol agents that are supposed to safeguard America's border, the one that Joe Biden has making a fast track for illegal aliens into the country, simply processing people and not keeping anybody out at all. Do you know what the union said to Joe Biden? And they made it very direct and very blunt. They said, keep our name out of your mouth today because they know what's going to happen. But let's get into some of the details of that in just a moment. First, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to take your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. If you're a naysayer, I'm going to put you right to the head of the line. I'd love to get a naysayer who thinks that Joe Biden is doing a fantastic job on the border. Because right now, the public opinion polls say Joe's approval rating among all Americans, Democrats, Republicans, and independents on border issues, his approval rating is about 26. That means about three quarters of the country thinks he's not doing a good job. 
And let me make the case for that. In my mind, the blood of innocence, including children, is dripping off the hands of Joe Biden today as he visits the scene of his biggest crime, America's southern border. Violent crime connected to illegal alien invaders invited openly by candidate Joe Biden way back in 2019 and 2020 has now spiked throughout America. Most recently, the mutilation and murder of 22-year-old Lake and Riley in Georgia. Uh, an illegal alien has been charged, and what we know about this man is that he was caught at the border, and Joe Biden's Border Patrol was forced to turn him loose. Then he was caught again in New York City by the police, and uh, the liberal policies of New York City uh, forced the police to turn him loose. This has outraged Americans, and I'm one of them. The rape of a 14-year-old girl in Louisiana, another 14-year-old girl in Virginia, and Biden border jumpers charged in both cases. That helps frame the real clear and present danger that this invasion of illegals that Joe Biden invited, facilitated, aided, and enabled, it has produced a dramatic danger right at home for Americans in every part of this country. And more than three years ago, he shuffled the problem of the border off to his hapless vice president. And Kamala Harris, she's been studiously avoiding the border ever since. Mayor Eric Adams says that New York City now faces literally a multi-billion dollar budget shortfall, specifically because of illegals who've taken a bite of the Big Apple. And you understand what this means in practical terms? It means that if you live in that city or any of the other cities who are being run into the financial ditch because of this illegal alien invasion, they're telling their own citizens, I'm sorry, we don't have the money to run the police department the way we should, or the fire, or emergency services, or education, or parks, or any other service that citizens pay for through their taxes because the money is being diverted to people who have no business even being in this country. Smaller cities, you think you're left out of this? You are not. The problem may be less visible than it is in New York and Chicago and Philly and D.C., but is there all the same. In fact, I would suggest that when we get to this fall, if these 10 million illegal aliens are still here, and they're almost certain to still be in the country because the Democrat Party plans to use them in the fall election, when they're still here, their kids are going to be in the schools with your kids. Now, guess what happens? Do you know of a school district anywhere? that says, why, we have too many teachers, we have too many classrooms, we have too many computers, we have too many books, we have too many resources, we don't know what to do with it all. There may be a school district like that somewhere. There may be a city that says, why, we're overrun with uh, police resources, fire resources, our hospitals are uncrowded, we wish we had more customers. I don't know of a city like that. I know every other city is to the opposite of that. So what happens? Joe Biden decides... I'm going to go for the second time in his entire life to the southern border. His first visit was only a year ago in January of 2023. And what's he going to do? He's going to see the results of what he did. Joe Biden outrageously blames President Trump for the problem, even though Trump produced the most secure American border that America has seen in decades. Open Borders Joe signed 94 executive orders in his first 100 days in office to reverse all of Donald Trump's border policies. So, Joe Biden got 10 million undocumented Democrats that his party demanded for this November's election, and we get to pay the price for that.
I want to give you a perspective on why I think Joe Biden is in Brownsville, Texas, and not in Eagle Pass, where President Trump's going to be. Number one, Brownsville does not have a lot of razor wire and armed guards. And why? Because Operation Lone Star, pushed by Texas Governor Greg Abbott, has done a very good job in Brownsville. And the number of illegal crossings is about half as many as Eagle Pass. So why would Joe Biden want to be there? Because the optics look good. All the TV pictures that will come out of this are not going to show little sidebar stories about here's the razor wire, here are the armed guards, here are the people waiting across the river. That's not going to be in the backdrop. I mean, Joe Biden is the Potemkin president. He wants to make this look good. Meanwhile, Donald Trump will be in Eagle Pass, which is where Ground Zero is in the Del Rio sector. That's where Eagle Pass is. About twice as many illegal crossings, 169,000 in the four months between October 1 and the beginning of the year. 169,000 just at that location. We're seeing about 10,000 people a day cross into America. And when you have the Border Patrol, Joe Biden's own agency, and its workers are saying, keep our name out of your mouth. You understand what's going on here. This isn't just the Border Patrol siding with Donald Trump. How insulting would it be if you worked as a border cop, and that's what they are, border agents or border cops, and your boss tells you, don't arrest the criminals, don't stop the criminals, Help the criminals do what they're doing that breaks American law. Can you imagine the shame? No wonder they don't want Joe Biden to mention the Border Patrol during his visit to Texas today. Back in a moment, I'll be glad to get your calls. 866-HEY-LARS. Naysayers to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The ground with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. In a rocky political climate, he's the steamroller. This is the Lars Larson Show. That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, you're bloody well right. You know you got a right to say 
This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the Daily Dead, Fish Wrapper, or mainstream media bias. I want you to imagine a public school here in the Pacific Northwest with student failure that would actually make the rest of the region look good by comparison. Almost 400 students with less than 25% of the kids in this one school proficient in math. That's just stunning. Only 35% do well in reading. So, what does Harriet Tubman Middle School in Portlandia plan? A party with cake celebrating student excellence. Only, they're not celebrating just any kind of student excellence. Tubman Principal Trevor Greer sent his secretary out to Costco to buy three big cakes marked celebrating black student excellence. Now, a few naysayers have called me or emailed to say, Lars, why are you making a big deal out of cake? Well, I'm not. First, I'm concerned that Trevor Greer and his teachers are gaslighting 10 to 12-year-olds by telling them they should celebrate their own excellence when three-quarters of those kids can't do math and two-thirds of them fail at reading. Second, and more importantly, why are you telling the kids, we're going to celebrate your academic excellence, but only if you have black skin? By the way, all three of the cakes are white, if that matters to you. I would have the same objection to this nonsense if it was celebrating only girls or only boys or only Asians or only white or only Hispanic, and these days only gay or only trans. What do you think it tells black students when Principal Greer tells them you're doing great when in fact they know for sure they're not? And what does it tell the white students when the school deliberately excludes them from that celebration? 40% of the students at Tubman Middle School, and they're just being told, you got white skin, you don't really matter. It sends the message of DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You white kids, you're the problem. You're part of the systemically racist system, they say, and your skin color defines you as the oppressor class. Imagine hearing that message out loud to your face at the age of 10. By the way, the student-teacher ratio at Tubman, which I took time to look up, according to the district's own numbers, it's 13 to 1. Now, that's as good or even better than some elite private schools. I did reach out to Tubman by email to both the principal and the government-paid secretary who fetched the cakes for this Jim Crow celebration. I hope you enjoy the party and the cake. The Klan would be proud of you. Our question of the day comes in from listener John Guy. He noticed the news this week that Macy's is going to do a major cutback. He said Macy's had 819 stores nationwide in 2019. That's only five years ago. Macy's will have 350 stores after these announced closures. Just one more thing that was better under President Trump. Was it worth it to grenade the economy with a scamdemic to steal an election so the Democrat Party could fundamentally change the nation into a dumpster fire? I think that one answers itself. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now. I want to give today's Daily Grill to Multnomah County DA Mike Schmidt show. Now, he gets mentioned a lot because he does terrible things and actually sends terrible messages. Yesterday, I had the attorney on who represents the family of the victim. His name is Darrell Preston, and he was just minding his own business, running a food cart in broad daylight 
in the daytime. And he was standing there. He happens to be a black man. And a white man, with no provocation whatsoever, came up and beat him down to the ground. Again, no provocation. Daniel Thomas Warren, this long history of attacking people, he has racked up eight criminal convictions in the past 19 years. They include punching, strangling, beating, threatening to kill, kidnapping, or biting the fingers of his victims. He's been sentenced to jail or prison all eight times for spells ranging from a few days to up to five years. And despite all that, the Multnomah County District Attorney's Office, which originally asked for 12 years in prison for this guy, instead Warren, who by the way is white and was shouting racial epithets as he beat Mr. Preston down to the ground, there is a GoFundMe account by the way, um, he got a three-year prison term. And I kid you not, I couldn't make up stuff this good if I worked for the Babylon Bee. The DA's office said, well, the only reason that we only got three years in prison for this eight-time convicted loser, this violent criminal who beat a man to the pavement and was shouting racial epithets, the only reason we settled for three is the defendant, meaning the guy who beat Mr. Preston down to the ground, was only willing to accept three. You know what? If Mike Schmidt show does not have the guts to take a case like that that was caught on video, had multiple witnesses, and left Mr. Preston with permanent damages, his face and head are disfigured. He has lost most vision in one of his two eyes, and the doctors say he's not likely to get it back. If you can't take that one to a jury Mike Schmidt show and win, the voters should do what they will with you when you come up for re-election later on this year. Today's best email, but you can always send more. Uh, this one comes from Alan Painter. Lars, excellent guest you had on the radio yesterday. By the way, I have to tell you, that particular guest was just a guy who called in, and I was glad he did. Talking about an app for smartphones that allows the police to track graffiti vandalism. Here in the school district, it's been a constant battle and costly at times. In some instances, it can take up to a couple of days to remove and cover it up. And when these little artists are caught, I've always said they should have to clean it up. And they should have to pay for the wages and the materials to address it. With the help of that database, it seems like it increases the chances of catching the graffiti vandals. Even the first-time offenders should have to pay for damages. As we've seen in Portland and Seattle, when you don't address bad behavior, it just perpetuates and increases in magnitude. Yes, graffiti is a small crime, but left undressed, it grows and makes a city look like a ghetto. Once retired, it would be great to work with a graffiti task force. I certainly paid my dues in 18 years of removing it because Alan Painter signs himself a police officer. Let me grab your calls, and if you want to jump into the conversation, it's 866-439-5277. Hey, Jeff, thanks for listening in Tacoma on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Uh, I've got a real quick question. If, um, you ever talked to Donald Trump, or maybe any of his people know this? It's just a simple question. Donald Trump, in his books, has bragged about having unprotected sex with multiple married women, single women back in the 80s. And my simple question is, did he ever get any of those women pregnant, and did he ever pay for an abortion? Simple you know, question. I can almost guarantee it didn't happen, Jeff, and I'll tell you why. Have you noticed that the Democrats have dug very deep into their war chest to try to find anything they can get on Donald Trump? Do you think if they could find a single woman who became pregnant by Donald Trump, 
and then had an abortion, perhaps at his insistence. You're telling me that the massive media of the United States and the massive Democrat Party dirt-digging machine did not find that information? I suspect it did not. And it would be a little, I think it would be a little bit uh, out of line. Hey, did you ever get a girl pregnant and did you pay for her abortion? I have a feeling he wouldn't answer the question, but maybe he would. Maybe he'd say, no, I did not. But I can guarantee you the Democrats haven't found it. And if they haven't found it, it likely does not exist. But I appreciate the interesting question. You're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. words from President Reagan. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I'll get back to your phone calls and emails in a bit at 866-HEY-LARS. You know, Washington state lawmakers seem to be headed to some approval votes for some crazy new gun laws. It's not going to stop crime. It's not even going to affect things that are, are terrible things that happen, like murders and rapes and that sort of thing. But it is going to disarm a lot of citizens. It is going to violate the constitutional rights of citizens. And, of course, I disclose to you that I have a dog in the fight. I'm the happy owner of firearms and a happy Second Amendment fan uh, of the Constitution. Dan Mitchell joins me now, who runs Sporting Systems in Vancouver, and he's the founder of the Washington Civil Rights Association. Dan, you've been tracking all these bills a lot more closely than I can. Welcome back, and tell me which ones are likely to get passed or seem to be passed passing right now well good afternoon uh, pretty much everything that came out of the subcommittees is passing uh, the uh, uh, destruction Washington State Patrol destruction of firearms that they have um, that they've confiscated taken to their possession so they'll be mandated to destroy all firearms now that they that they get uh, and in increased uh, reporting time of 24 hours for reporting lost or stolen firearms to law enforcement. Otherwise, you'll be guilty of a crime, so the victim becomes the victim. Uh, that has passed. And then the big one that's really come down is the, uh, the FFL killer bill, uh, House Bill 2118, that uh, applies a huge set of regulations to every FFL in the state of Washington, from the biggest Cabela's and Sportsman's Warehouse and Big Fives and Bymarts down to uh, down to the 75-year-old gunsmith that works out of his home, uh, you know, repairing you know classic uh, old firearms and stuff. So every every FFL in the state is going to feel the pinch on this one pretty mightily. Let me, let me go back to the first thing you mentioned, and that is this requirement of destruction. At this point, can the state patrol decide we've confiscated guns, they were either stolen or lost or whatever, and if they can't find the legitimate owner, um, they, they would usually, what, sell them to legitimate and law-abiding buyers? Correct. Yeah, they would. They would. Uh, they would auction them off, or or had a contract uh, with uh, with somebody to speci specifically buy them, for, uh, and then either dispose of them, or or most oftentimes they were re-entered the marketplace uh, if they weren't used in a crime, and you know it like. 
uh, if it was a stolen gun, they they try to get it returned to the owner if if that's at all possible. But now so, they'll just melt yeah. them down or in some way destroy them. Let me go back to the one the the one that's going to kill the FFLs. And for anybody who doesn't know, FFL is Federal Firearms Licensee. Everybody who does business uh, in selling guns it has to have a federal firearms license as well as comply with state law. They did modify some of the requirements on storage and video and all that, but not enough to make a big difference. Is that your conclusion? Precisely. Uh, you know, it came down from six years of storage down to ninety days, which reduces you know the cost to us from about you know a little over a quarter million dollars uh, to comply down to twenty or thirty thousand dollars to comply. But it requires audio storage, and that's something that's never been done. It's in violation of the state's two-party consent law for, for lawfully recording audio you know, conversations. Uh, that's still in the bill. That's never been – it doesn't exist in any other industry in the state of Washington at all, period, zip, not a zero. In fact, most industries are protected uh, from audio storage in the workplace. And like, this goes down from – the biggest Cabela's is going to have to have microphones uh, around their uh, recording everything in their store. And, that, um, and by the way, Dan, yeah. just so people, this isn't just during a purchase. This means if I walk into Cabela's or into your store or uh, Wade's up in Seattle and I say, hey, uh, I'd like to see some pistols today. I'm already on audio tape, which, as you point out, recording audio of my voice at that point is a violation of state law, isn't it, without my prior consent? Correct. You have to be given verbal notification, and you have to accept that verbal notification, and that has to be recorded. So you, you have to present that to somebody once they've entered the space and, and greet every customer as, we're audio recording you, do you consent to that? And that, that's just, that's something that's highly impractical in really any environment, but especially in a retail environment. You, you just don't, you don't greet people like, hey, we're going to record you. Welcome to our store. Um, and uh, and the thought is they're going to catch straw purchasers this way. And this is, this is not how you catch straw purchasers. This isn't how you catch burglars. Um, it, it's a ridiculous requirement. Well, and I mean, Dan, just so people know, a straw purchase, if I were a convicted felon, and I'm not, and Dan was a guy that I knew. And I said, Dan, you don't have a felony record. I do. I need to get a pistol. Would you take this $500 and go to the gun store and buy one under your name and then deliver it to me and I'll pay you something for your trouble? That would be a classic straw purchase, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. Now, and it's now, now the way and federal crime. Yeah. But the way you can catch people is somebody walks in and after they've looked at a bunch of guns and everything else, they say, I want to buy that pistol. And then you fill out a federal form and sign your name, having provided picture ID, in some cases, I think in Oregon, a thumbprint, um, and you're on video, but just on video. You've handed over your picture ID, you've put down your name and address, they've run you through a background check, you've done all this stuff, your signature is on things, you're on video buying the gun. That can be prosecuted right now, even without audio, can't it? Precisely. Once they once they sign that form, that forty four seventy three, uh, they've committed perjury on a federal form. 
a lot like Mr. Biden did, uh, the junior Hunter, Hunter Biden yeah. Yeah. did, uh, you know, declaring that he was able to lawfully possess and, and use firearms. Uh, well, he lied because he was heavily drug addicted to drugs at the time. Um, so he's he's being prosecuted for that. And it's a rare prosecution. Don't get me wrong. The, the feds don't prosecute this very often. And nor do they prosecute uh, straw purchases very often. Uh, the gun charges in almost all criminal cases get pled down and go away completely. Brett Leister's girlfriend, she could have gotten 270 years in prison, uh, state and federal charges for supplying guns for him, and he was a triple murderer. She got 364 days in the uh, in county lockup and then was released. There was a guy that I covered a, a couple of years ago, Dan, who'd done he'd he'd uh, managed 24 straw purchases using a young. He had a, a record, but his the young lady friend did not. He supplied her with cocaine, which is another crime, uh, and she went and bought the guns, and then he supplied them to gangsters down in Oakland. And, and that was just a couple of years ago. He got 31 months for 24 straw purchases. He basically served a month in prison uh, for every straw purchase. That's how unseriously the feds take this problem and now the state wants to gather video to help them do prosecutions they're not doing anyway that's what they're telling us you know that that was the the justification they used the other day when when we were trying to get the uh, um, recording requirements reduced from from two years down to you know 45 days so it'd be similar with uh, with what law enforcement keeps, law enforcement keeps video for 60 days. The cannabis industry keeps it for 45 days. Uh, those are the only two that are regulated by the state for video retention. And so we were trying to get into the same ballpark as those. Well, we ended up twice as much as, as cannabis stores, um, and it's certainly better than it was, but you know, for the for the small for the small dealers, yeah, uh, this is going to be a it's a bridge too far. They they have to put audio and video recording in their homes they're not they're they're going to put a lot of gun dealers out of business and make guns more expensive that's dan mitchell from sporting systems founder of the washington civil rights association back in a moment i'll get to your uh, your calls and will the democrats use lawfare to make take meat out of the american diet I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Action claims with the BBB. Test your advertising IQ. Go to bbbadtruth.org.
Just listen for five minutes. You'll feel better. More with Lars Larson right now. You show us everything you Our parody guy, uh, Jim Gossett, who is apparently inspired by the testimony this week of Hunter Biden, son of Joe Biden, who came to Capitol Hill to tell Republicans under oath, my father had absolutely nothing to do with my business. And the fact that I was sending text messages to a Chinese communist energy company saying, you will send the $5 million right now. My dad is sitting right here with me. Do you know what excuse Hunter Biden literally used? He said, I must have been high. I must have been on drugs at the time I did that. That's why I said that crazy stuff about my dad sitting right next to me. And, of course, Hunter Biden's testimony doesn't exactly match up with all of the photographs of Joe Biden. Because you remember that Joe Biden during the campaign, even on the stage with Donald Trump, he said there were no deals with China and my son. Well, there were. He said I had no involvement in those deals except there are pictures of Joe Biden meeting with Hunter Biden's Chinese communist buddies uh, from those companies that he was doing business with. So Hunter Biden is going to, under oath, I mean, break the law. I mean, for Hunter Biden, that's like getting up and having breakfast every morning. He does it just about every day. But if he can brazen his way all the way to November, maybe dear old dad gets reelected. I doubt it, but maybe he does. And Hunter Biden and Joe Biden escape uh, punishment or justice for a little bit longer. Let's go to the phones at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Ron, welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Uh, what's on my mind, Lars, is this. I see a long-term plan. When you talk about the kids at Hillary Tubman School and how they just being indirectly, segregationally causing division, well, we're, uh, we're just so, uh, Ron, if people didn't hear what we said earlier in the hour, and sometimes well, we have people joining and leaving the show all day long, Trevor Greer, who's the principal at Tubman Middle School, a school that is 60% students of color, 40% white, uh, had his secretary go out to Costco and order a bunch of cakes that say celebrating black student excellence. Now, I, I emailed him and said, will you please come on and explain to us are you only celebrating the excellence of black students at Tubman Middle School? Uh, and if that's the case, why not the white kids? What message does that send? I think it's a reasonable question. And also, how is it that you're celebrating excellence when less than one quarter of the students at Tubman Middle School are considered proficient in math and only 35% are proficient in reading? What are you celebrating if you're celebrating excellence when the vast majority, three-quarters of your kids, can't do math and two-thirds of your kids can't read? 
So you were saying about what they're doing. I, I think it is racial division. And to get to the point, what that also does, Lars, is you can dumb down your constituents, then they'll have the voters that they need. I mean, the, big, the final example of what I'm saying is Senate Bill 1583 that they passed. You're going to override local control of your schools to push an agenda that's dirtier than a smut magazine from Lou Frederick says we need to push it because this, that, and other. In my opinion, and I hate to say this, Lars, I love everybody. You know me for over 20 years. I don't You're judge anybody about what's on the outside <laughs> of the skin. I, yep. Yeah. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a black redneck, but nevertheless, Lars, with a little Swedish blood, maybe. But overall, the point is, is that when you have policies that have been set up by the Democrat Party over the last, since LBJ's Great Society, real heavy, and in the present, after Obama, by division, by now doing it to our kids, taking away parental rights, undermining parental authority, causing division in the household, and dumbing down our kids, and then giving them participation awards of that nature from people like Lou Fredericks. Uh, in my vision, it's like watch the Klan is LBJ is laughing, laughing from his grave because he's and he's black. He's a black senator out of Portland area. Or Eugene area. Angry Lou. Oh, yeah. We, we yeah, invited Angry, Angry Lou on. We invited him just a couple of weeks ago. I'd love to have him talk. But you realize what's happening in both states, Oregon and Washington. Washington state right now is considering a law that may well pass the legislature that tells school districts you're not allowed to reject a textbook. If the state capitol says you will have it, it's like in Hunger Games. When the capitol says you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And and parents, school boards, principals, superintendents, you got nothing to say about it. In both states, they'll literally allow state agencies to kidnap your children to carry out, you know, sexual mutilation of your children because they say, I want to be a boy or I want to be a girl. And they're making this stuff legal. And then when it comes to Tubman, this is where DEI, where the rubber meets the road. When you say, well, what does it mean when you say diversity, equity, inclusion, critical race theory? What it means is... The schools say, you white kids, you're the problem. And you black and brown kids, you aren't really capable of anything. So when you get to 25% math and 35% in reading, we're going to celebrate the excellence of your education. As you said, Ron, a, an undereducated population is going to be a very easy population to control and a population that will go out and vote for Democrats. And you've got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Lars. This is the Lars Larson Show. Never apologize for being patriotic. 
honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. And now... Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. My memory is so bad I let you speak. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's Conspiracy Theory Thursday, and I think I've got a good one for you today. But welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to take your phone calls and your emails at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. I want to tell you something. This is kind of crazy. Uh, because something weird is going on in American politics, and it has an effect on you and me and the rest of the country. And I'm going to ask you this question. Is is your city, is Seattle, is Portland, is are all the other Northwest cities that have declared themselves to be sanctuaries for illegal alien criminals, are they going to go along with the fact that the White House yesterday decided to do a 180-degree turn in other words, going back the direction that Joe Biden came, they're going the opposite way. Because the White House came out late yesterday, and they said, we are calling on sanctuary cities around America to cooperate with immigrations and customs enforcement and arrest illegal aliens. Now, this would be about as weird as having Nancy Pelosi show up on the floor of Congress with a Donald Trump banner and a MAGA hat on. I mean, it would just be, hold on a second, something big just changed. Now, I suspect what it is, is the election. And here's my conspiracy theory. The White House, and this is the way that Fox was reporting it last night, White House calls for sanctuary cities to cooperate with ICE amid furor over illegal immigrant crimes. Now, the fact is that for the last three years, we've had more than 10 million people come illegally into the country. And I'll, uh, in advance, I'm going to just warn you, I know somebody naysayer will probably call me up and say, but Lars, here's the quote from uh, DHS, Department of Homeland Security. They say, since May 12th, DHS has removed or returned 565,000 individuals, meaning illegal aliens, more than every other year in history since 2013. Let me tell you where to find the trick in that, because that's part of the conspiracy theory. If you're not letting too many people illegally come into your country, you're not going to have big removal numbers because they ain't here to begin with. On the other hand, if you are letting roughly three and a half million illegal aliens a year come in and then you want to brag, but we sent 500,000 of them home, it's not much to brag about. Gee, you managed to capture 12% of them. The other 88% you welcomed into the country. So be ready for that kind of argument, because it's the kind of thing that liberal newsrooms around America just love to put at the top of the show. Donald Trump is complaining on the border about illegal aliens, but Joe Biden's Homeland Security Department says they've removed more illegal aliens than at any time in history. Do you know the only time you can remove half a million illegal aliens is when you have a greater number than that actually come into the country? As I pointed out, if you're saying, well, we're sending back one in seven, and the question is, well, what happens to the other six out of seven? And the answer is, well, they're currently enjoying 
the debit card they were given at the border and the debit card that big city mayors are handing to them. They're currently enjoying a nice hotel room that you're paying for. They really enjoyed that airplane flight that was paid for by a non-governmental organization funded with American taxpayer money. They're happy. They're getting three hots in a cot. They don't have to show up at work all day long like you schlub American taxpayers. You're paying for it. They're having a great time. And by the way, a certain percentage of them are out raping and killing in your community. Even the White House knows that the average citizen is going to look at this and say, this is a mess. And then when there are particular incidents that happen, and we've seen this happen in other countries where a single incident, you know, the Cedar, I think it was the Cedar Revolution in the Middle East was started because a guy selling vegetables got written a ticket and told you're out of business. And just selling a few vegetables out of a wheeled cart was his whole living. That's how he made the money that supported his family. And when they decided to take his license away, he walked down to a police station, poured a can of gas on himself, and set himself on fire. If you don't believe me, look it up. And out of that got a gigantic revolution. Because sometimes a single incident is going to light people on fire, both metaphorically and sadly in some cases, literally as well. So what do you have this week? You've got a 14-year-old girl in Virginia raped, apparently, by an illegal alien. He's charged with a crime. You have a 14-year-old girl in Louisiana raped by an illegal alien. And it reminds me that I'll bet it was more than 20 years ago that I remember there was an illegal alien, and he was sitting in jail because he got caught having sex, consensual or otherwise, with a 14-year-old girl and here in the Pacific Northwest. And I remember that the Mexican consul, he's the guy or gal who represents the Mexican government in your city. Uh, the Mexican consul for Portland, there's one in most big cities in America. There's only an embassy or a consulate in certain select cities. But you have this Mexican consul, and he was complaining. He said, I don't understand why this guy is sitting in jail. I mean, back at home, in, in this case, it was Mexico, 14-year-old girls are sexually available. Now, he was dumb enough to say it out loud. But we all knew what he was talking about. When you want to talk about multiculturalism in America, one of the ugly aspects of some other places on this planet is that they view 14-year-old girls as sexually available, either by force or by consent. It doesn't matter to them. And this guy, the Mexican consul, was crazy because he said, this isn't a problem back at home, to which somebody should have said to him, you're not back at home. You're in the United States of America. 14-year-old girls are children. Leave them alone. And I have a feeling that what happened in Louisiana, what happened in Virginia with the rapes of those two girls, that was exactly what's going on here. Hey, this girl's sexually available. She's 14. She's old enough. And then you have the ugly murder of 22-year-old Lake and Riley in Georgia. And this has caught a lot of people's attention because she was murdered in Athens, Georgia. That little town is not officially, but they their mayor has been standing up and defending the idea that illegal aliens are welcome in his town. And the other day when he did that, he did it at a press conference. He had a whole crowd of people from his town, and they began shouting at him, telling to shut up and get out. And why? Because he was advancing to them this crazy idea 
You've just had a 22-year-old nursing student murdered in cold blood and then her head disfigured, according to the affidavit. The man accused of it is an illegal alien caught at the border by Joe Biden's Border Patrol and released. Caught in New York City by the police and released. And now you have a young lady dead and this joker of a mayor is standing there saying, well, they're welcome here. Here's the question for you. The White House is now telling their fellow Democrat mayors and elected officials, stop the sanctuary city stuff. He needs it gone at least till the election, and I suspect that's what's going on. Will Seattle and Portland and Eugene and all the other northwest cities that are sanctuaries for illegals, are they going to follow the orders from the White House? Or is this just a, a giant fraud to get Joe enough votes to get across the finish line? Back in a moment, it's Conspiracy Theory Thursday, and you're listening to the Lars Larson Show. If you with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Learn more at stjude.org. He does the work so you don't have to. Bringing the political heat. He's Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. I want to ask you this. If somebody is doing hard drugs... Should you be paying for their housing, their medical care, and their food stamps as well? I mean, it's a very simple question, and I'm so pleased to see that there's actually a major American city that's decided to say, maybe we should have mandatory drug testing for everybody who's on any form of welfare in this city. Now, I'm going to tell you the details of that in just a moment. If you want to join the conversation, it's easy to do. 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to be a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Let me say parenthetically, uh, if you're a naysayer, we get great naysayers some days. And then there are naysayers who can't figure out what they're for or against. If you call us a naysayer, the producers are going to be very accommodating. You've got to be nice to my producers. There was Theodore. He was nasty to my producers, so we decided to give him the bum's rush. And if he comes back and treats my producers appropriately, I'll be glad to welcome him back. But if you call in and you say, I disagree with Lars, make sure you know what it is we disagree about. And then, by all means, make your best argument. I always invite naysayers. I say, what, what is it you and I disagree about? 
If somebody says, well, you're wrong about this, great, I'll let you make the case. Just stick around for a few questions after that, and we'll see where we go from there. If you want to send an email, we make that easy. Talk at LarsLarson.com. And, of course, you can vote in our poll on X. The poll on X used to be called the Twitter poll. It's now on X. So you can find the question there at Lars Larson Show. And we put the same question up at my website, LarsLarson.com. But get this. Tuesday of next week, San Francisco as a city, I mean, notoriously one of the most liberal cities in America, is going to have a vote, a public vote on whether or not to have mandatory drug testing for anybody on welfare. And I thought, wow, that's going to be interesting because the fact that it even made the ballot kind of shocked me. But the fact that when they've done a poll, 61% of likely voters support what's called Proposition F. So Super Tuesday is on Tuesday, March 5th. Uh, San Francisco will be voting on Proposition F. At this point, 72% of the people who live in that city say San Francisco is on the wrong track. Now, this is kind of amazing. It's both amazing and gratifying. I mean, I was happy when I saw that they took their local district attorney, Chesa Boudin, the son of a couple of convicted terrorists, and they decided to recall him as attorney general and throw him out of office and replace him with somebody sensible. Uh, London Breed, the mayor of that city, uh, while a liberal Democrat and a, a black woman, uh, you know, so her politics maybe fit that. So, okay. Uh, but she's been saying some sensible things, not just lately, but from the first time she took office. And now, having seen the city run into the ditch by drugs, by homelessness, by protests, by violence and crime that's rising like crazy. And finally, they're willing to say, maybe there's a way to get on top of this. Now, as I mentioned, I've been suggesting mandatory drug testing for welfare for a long, long time. And when people say, well, what do you mean? I say, well, if you want to be on TANF, that's what we used to call the dole. Then they called it welfare. They thought that was insulting uh, after a few years. So they said, we'll call it TANF, temporary aid to needy families, but otherwise known as welfare. If you're on welfare and we're paying some of your expenses, should you be out spending a dime on pot, on meth, on cocaine, on heroin, on LSD, on fentanyl, on oxy, any of those, if you've got the money for that, we shouldn't be paying your way. That's my point of view. But then I've had people say, well, you're going to invade people's privacy. No, we're not. Because if you say, I would like to have welfare, any one of those programs I just named, I'm applying for it. For when you apply for anything, you're asking for permission to get it. Welfare is not a constitutional right, despite what the left might have you believe in America. So if you're applying for something, you have to find out if you qualify. Now, I can tell you I make a nice salary. So if I went down and applied for food stamps and they said, well, fill out this form and tell us what your income is. As soon as I did that, they say, I'm sorry, you don't qualify. One of the qualifications ought to be you come up clean on a drug screen. And let me tell you two reasons for that. Number one. If you're out taking illegal drugs, it means you're engaging in illegal behavior. Uh, it means that you may be high part of the time. And since a lot of dr uh, jobs still require some drug testing at the front end, if you're taking drugs and they're in your system, I mean, whether you're high at the current time or not, uh, chances are you're not available to work. 
And as far as I'm concerned, if you said, I don't really want to work a job, I just want to take drugs and I'd like somebody to buy my groceries, I think that should be an automatic no. And the second reason is this. For all the people, so you're not invading people's privacy, you're merely saying, if you want welfare, you have to take a drug test. If you say, I have a right to privacy, I don't have to take a drug test, uh, the folks who are you dealing with should say, you're right, you don't have to take a drug test, but if you don't, you don't get the welfare. Second issue, I know that when people work as commercial drivers, I've never had a CDL, but I know a lot of people who do have CDL licenses. And believe me, uh, when you talk to them, they're well aware of all of the limits on their behavior, even taking in the places where it's legal, marijuana, even drinking alcohol, they're aware of just how easily they can lose that CDL license. And they know that the boss says, if you come up dirty, you're going to be off work at least 30 days. You may be able to salvage your career and your license. You may not. It all depends on your actions. But when I worked in television, uh, we had satellite trucks, and they weren't especially big, but the folks who drove them because they were driving them for commercial purposes had to take a drug test now and then. And it, it wasn't unusual for me to be walking into work, and uh, the photographer that I was walking into work with uh, would be hailed by the young lady at the front desk who'd say she'd hand out a, she'd hold out a plastic cup, and he knew what he had to do. He had to go right down the hall and give her a sample and bring it back, and if he came up dirty, he wasn't going to be working for a while. So if it's reasonable to say you can't be on drugs, if you're on drugs, you don't have a CDL. If that's reasonable, and I think it is, is it reasonable to say if you'd like to be on welfare, food stamps, Section 8 housing, Medicaid, any of the TANF, any of those, you've got to show us that you are, number one, Willing to and available for work, which means you don't have drugs in your system. Number two, if you're spending money on drugs and then asking me to buy your groceries, no. That's an automatic no. And as one of the residents of San Francisco is quoted, I think this is in the San Francisco Chronicle, a guy by the name of Malcolm Weitz, who's been there, you know, 20 years, he says the pendulum is swinging. It's coming hardcore back to center. So a notoriously left-wing city like San Francisco, which kicked out its crazy liberal DA, which elected a reasonably conservative but Democrat mayor, is now voting on two things. One, mandatory drug screening for any kind of recipient of public benefits. And Proposition E, this is even more unusual, would expand police surveillance tools and reduce oversight on police. And in the polls, the polls say about two-thirds of the voters in that city on Tuesday are going to say yes to both of those. Back in a moment, I'll be glad to get to your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Check out my Instagram feed. It's kind of fun. And you're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Small town politics with big town opinions. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm always glad to get to your phone calls and emails. You know, notoriously, Republicans have always led the way 
on cutting taxes. And I've always thought of that as a good thing, conservatives as well. There are some rhino Republicans who seem to love taxes, too. Uh, but they're less uh, common, I guess, than Democrats who want to push taxes. But are Republicans on Capitol Hill going to sign off on a government commission that's virtually guaranteed to pave the way for more federal taxes? And the perfect guy to talk to about that is our friend Grover Norquist, president of Americans for Tax Reform. Hey, Grover, welcome back. Hey, great to be with you. This is exciting. Well, tell me about this this commission. You've described it before, but there are folks on mostly on the left who say we need a fiscal commission act so that we can have a commission that will study ways to cut down on government spending and it it all sounds well and good until you find out as you've explained before why this thing is really just a a vehicle for being able to push us in the direction of even higher federal taxes. Have I overstated that? No, you, it's pretty spot on. Uh, this is an idea being pushed by uh, Mitt Romney, former uh, huh. senator from Massachusetts, uh, a governor from Massachusetts, senator from Utah. He's leaving office, and this is his Parthian shot on the way out. Uh, here's the challenge. We have a problem in Washington, D.C., and in all 50 states, and in many cities, maybe all, and that's the government spends too much money, tries to do too many things it's not good at or shouldn't be involved in at all, it spends too much money on the things even that it should be spending. It does not spend wisely. Governments are monopolies. Monopolies are not terribly efficient, uh, and they have no competition, so they misbehave in how they spend. We spend too much. We also have a problem, which is, Growth is too slow, uh, particularly now that Biden has put up 18% inflation increase in the three years since he's been there. I mean, the price of things on average has gone up 18%. Now, we thought it was 17. They came out with, well, we were wrong. It's not 17, it's 18. So it's worse than you thought. Uh, and government's spending too much. The commission says, here's our theory. We're going to treat tax, incre uh, tax increases as if it was the same thing as a budget cut. Huh. What? We well, see they both theoretically reduce the deficit, right? Now, a tax increase slows economic growth and tends to make deficits more of a problem. Tax rate reductions uh, get you more economic growth and over time, more revenue as, as it grows. Not tomorrow, but over time with economic uh, growth. So tax cuts are important to get growth. Spending the tax yeah, and spending cuts are important to stop the government from spending too much money because every dollar they take is a dollar that's not in the in the in the real economy. Yep. So what they do is they say, no, 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 we don't want to do tax reduction for growth and uh, spending reduction. Let's do tax reduction, tax increases, tax increases, because that would theoretically uh, help the deficit and spending cuts. They're the same thing. They literally, they're like colorblind people. They do not see the difference between red and blue. They do not see the difference between a spending cut and a tax increase. They think it's the same. When you do that, you make it impossible to uh, cut taxes because the Democrats just want to spend more money. They're not interested in cutting taxes. So the negotiations just become a conversation about how much more in taxes. And that's what this commission is Design, it's not too much of a secret. Everybody knows it's designed to get a tax increase around the Republican majority in the House, which would never vote for a tax increase. 190 Republicans have taken the pledge never to raise taxes. Uh, since 
1994, when Republicans won the House and the Senate, and 96% of them signed the pledge never to raise taxes. We haven't had the Republicans vote for a tax increase ever since 94. No bill with a tax increase that it has passed if the Republicans had the House or the Senate, okay? So Republicans say we're not raising taxes. Taxes only happen when Democrats get in. But the Democrats are not winning the House and the Senate as often as they'd like to. They want tax increases, and they're desperate to trick a handful of Republicans into thinking that, oh, if you gave us tax increases, we would shower you with spending cuts we've always wanted to do, except when the Democrats are in power. They never do spending cuts. What are they talking about? They never do spending cuts. Why would we trust they do them now? Well, and in fact, Grover, I think about it in personal terms. I mean, we've all known someone, in some cases, we've all been someone who, when I made $35,000 a year, you thought, well, I'm spending about 40000 a year, So, but but if I ever made 50000 a year, then I'd be able to pay all my bills and I'd put some money away for the future. And then you get to 50 and you're spending 65 And when you get to 75 or 90 you're spending over 100 In other words, there are people who always spend beyond their means, and the entities that always spend beyond their means, other than states, which are constitutionally required to have a balanced budget, the Congress... If the Congress had $10 trillion tomorrow, I think they'd find a way to spend 12 because the argument is, well, we have all this new money and we're not underwater anymore, so let's spend beyond our means. They, As you point out, they've never once delivered when they said, well, if we had more money, when they used to have $2.5 trillion in tax income coming in, they spent 3 and, a half. and And when we got to 4 you think, well, $4 trillion uh, or $4.5 trillion, which is about what the federal government takes in now, surely they can stay within their means. No, they're going to spend 6 And if they got to 6 they'd spend 8 I mean, it, it's it, it, they are a predictable crowd of people, both Republicans and Democrats. So why are people like Jody Arrington, the chairman of the House Budget Committee, a Republican from Texas, why are they going along with this when they've been there long enough to understand the trick? Uh, because they haven't been there long enough to have been tricked themselves. They just ah. showed up. They don't read books. They don't read history. If you're from Texas, I think one of the things that you should have learned when you watched uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, the pre vice president for Reagan, then president, he managed the collapse of the Soviet Union. That's pretty impressive. No blood on the floor. He kicked Iraq out of Kuwait and didn't sit on top of it for the next 25 years to see what was going on. Um, he had a very successful presidency with one problem. He lied his way into office because he won his primary and his general by saying they wasn't going to raise taxes. And he yep. did raise taxes. And, by the way, spending went up, up, up after he raised taxes. There was no spending cut at all. And he lied to people and said that there was. There wasn't. And he got taken completely. Uh, the longest applause when he was renominated for the presidency was when he said he made a mistake. Then the Republican convention went nuts <laughs> for the longest applause of his speech. They said, yes, you're right. We agree. But people were very happy that he, that he admitted that. Okay, so um, it, it is a huge mistake. You know what? I'm so smart. I would outsmart a Democrat. You know, trying to get a dollar of tax money out of Democrats' hands and back to the people you took it from. Okay, are you kidding? It's like saying I, I'm going to be so smart. I can get that tiger to give me back the state. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to. No one else has been smart enough to do that, but I'm clever. I will really make this work. 
Um, it is bizarre. But to your point that they always spend what they have plus, Bill Clinton put in writing just what you just said, okay? Remember, he got in, had a Democratic House and Senate, and um, when he got elected president, beat the guy who raised taxes, and uh, he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to raise taxes and then see how much money we're going to expect to take in on taxes. Add $200 billion to that. That's what we'll spend. What's that? Well, $200 billion is what the politics allows you to have. Reagan had the deficits of 200 billion yeah. then so we figure we can have one so the point being they democrats will spend republicans will spend the politicians will spend as much money as you give them and then some grover norquist from americans for tax reform grover it's a pleasure i'll be back in a moment i want to get to your phone calls next at 866-HAY-LARS that's 866-439-5277 and you're listening to the radio northwest now Well, I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Installer to set up your new devices. Easy tips from the Consumer Technology Association to help keep your devices secure. Unwrapping the news so you don't have to. Back to the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you on the Radio Northwest Network. And if you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's always right here. And this segment is brought to you by NickShivers.com for an instant offer to sell your home immediately. No showings, no hassles. You pick the closing date. NickShivers.com for details. Our poll on X today. Should we test welfare recipients for drugs? I'd say yes to that. You can vote any way you like. You'll find the question at Lars Larson Show on X, and it's brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Let's go, as we always do, first to naysayers. Been doing that for more than 25 years. Steve, what do you and I disagree about today? On the uh, drug testing for the Medicare, uh, I do know an individual Medicaid. in Minnesota. M Medicaid. Okay. Well, Medicare oh, Medicaid. is for Excuse older me. Americans. Okay. Medicaid is for okay. poor Americans. Yeah. Thank you for correcting me. Sure. Uh, I have. There's an individual that I know that has MS, bedridden, a uh, lot of pain. Uh, I, you know. I, Pulling the Medicaid for him um, now in Minnesota, they're not treating for um, 
MS with um, um, marijuana, but it does help. It would help him with that. He does take it uh, when somebody brings it in, and it makes a huge difference for him. Uh, I think that in those cases, I think that it, it's it's great for him, um, and I think that they should have it legal for a doctor to to uh, administer. Uh, I don't agree with marijuana being legalized other than well, that. i, I got to ask you something, Steve. Be. Do you know of a single place in America where medical marijuana is dosed by doctors? Because I don't think it exists. I mean, no, it isn't. And I think it, it should be if it is if it does work. Yeah, if it works for glaucoma, for MS, for those things. So that's the only exception. Other than that, you'd be in favor of this San Francisco proposal to drug test Absolutely. for welfare? Okay, because Absolutely. I could imagine, I mean, imagine you, you have somebody who's, who goes in and applies for welfare, and he says, but I've got intractable pain, back pain, or whatever kind of pain you're dealing with, and I have, uh, you know, opioids that are, uh, that are um, uh, prescribed for me by my doctor. I would imagine you'd write those exceptions into the law. But what's always killed me, Steve, is to see people who are who say they're on welfare, they're getting the full range of benefits, which can add up to literally uh, $30,000, $40,000 a year in the United States between Section 8, TANF, uh, food stamps, uh, Medicaid, uh, and all the rest. You can be pulling down a lot more than somebody would make at minimum wage for doing exactly nothing. And then to say, oh, by the way, I like to get high, and I'm taking all these other drugs that you have the money for the drugs because somebody else is paying all your other expenses, that should outrage anybody. Well, I agree with that. Okay. And you but I was just, just saying that the way, yeah. the, way, the way it was described, with, you know, I think that there should be exceptions when it's, it's uh, medically beneficial. Fair enough. As long as it's not one of these, uh, I, I self-medicate with whiskey here. I self-medicate with opioids, right. or, you Absolutely. know, because you hear that all the time. Right. But I, 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 I have I, a feeling I, San Francisco is going to pass this, and when they do, I'm kind of hoping that cities in the Northwest will take a look at it as well. Say, let's throw that on the ballot in Seattle or throw it on the ballot in Tri-Cities or Spokane or Portland or Eugene. Say, let's have a vote. How would you like to, you you out there who are working a full-time job and paying your taxes and paying all the expenses for people who choose to be on illegal drugs, how would you like to have them drug tested the way you are in some cases? Let's go to Josh. Hey, Josh, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars. Um, I was just curious. So I, I, wa I wanted your insight on this. So, you know, we're talking about drug testing people for welfare, and yeah. I agree with you. But, you know, I, I'm a CDL driver myself. I had to work hard. I got clean many years ago in order to pursue this career. Good and, you, you know, I know I know that we have to pass these drug tests. And I've known drivers who have faked these drug tests using fake urine. What's to say these people aren't going to try to use fake urine or other methods, you know, to pass in order to get that? That's something that I think has been overlooked. I and think there will be some of them will do that. Josh, uh, she's passed away, but my wife and I knew a flight attendant for Alaska, and they would get, you know, they'd get drug tested as well because there's, they're viewed as safety personnel. She also knew that when they flew a big, long international flight, you get really dehydrated. Uh, airplanes are really dry. And she would often drink, you know, like a quart or two of water on a long, you know, 10, 12 hour flight. And one time she went in, you know, they said, okay, you've got to do the urinalysis test. She did it, and they said, it's too diluted because she'd been drinking a lot of water on the flight. 
and they have accommodations for that. But but if you if you say, well, gee, I just drank too much water, uh, I think there should be a way for somebody to be retested, perhaps. Um, and, and I know that happens. I don't know if you've ever run into that, where somebody says, yeah, your sample is too dilute. Come back and do it again next week. And uh, and in that case, yeah. they, they make it harder to get around the test is the bottom line. Right. And, and I think more of what I was curious is, I mean, for someone who's on probation and parole and they have to test weekly or even monthly, there's a parole officer in the restroom with you watching you <laughs> urinate. And, you know, if you go to some, one of these medical places, they're not allowed to do that. They ask you to empty out your pockets. And, I mean, we're, you know what I mean? There's always way of, yep. ways of sneaking that in. And I, I'm sure it'll defer in numbers by the masses, but at the same time, you know, we're not going to get every single one. And so I was just curious as to that because... Well, it's like you, know I'd, I'd, you know what I'd go to, oh, Josh? If, okay. if, you want, if you really wanted to make an airtight case, have the urinalysis and say you failed. If you still want it, we'll take a blood sample, and then we'll measure that, which you can't game quite as easily as you can with the UA. Josh, thanks for the call. You got the Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs, but how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. What? Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big show? Right? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Never apologize for being patriotic. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. And now... Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. My memory is so bad I let you speak. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. By the way, Joe Biden's down on the border today and one of the most amazing things before i get in to talk about the climate and california and a few things that affect the northwest directly when presidents go out and give a speech uh, donald trump usually speaks off a teleprompter but then he ad-libs about three times as much he's perfectly capable of operating on his own two feet joe biden not so much yeah, reporters have now noticed that the president is down there in theory so he can talk to his border patrol agents and officials and get an idea of what's going on on the ground for his second visit in his entire life to the border with Mexico. And he's reading questions for himself to the people he's talking to. So this is a guy who's so incapable that when he holds a press conference, his staff gives him copies of the questions the reporters are going to ask him and the answers he needs to read back. That's bad enough. But imagine 
if my producer said, Lars, you're going to be talking to Todd, so ask him these questions in this order because you're not capable of coming up with your own questions. Todd, what would you think if you knew that I was doing that? <laughs> uh, at least I'd be prepared. I don't know, you know. <laughs> you would, because my staff would have already given you the answers that you're supposed to give. Now, uh, Todd Myers is the Environmental Director of Washington Policy. Todd, welcome back. And tell me about this. Washington state lawmakers in the state capitol are trying to link the state to California and to Quebec and link to their CO2 policies and their CO2 marketplace for selling car selling and buying carbon credits. Tell me what that's about. Yeah, so California and Quebec um, already have um, a, a CO2 market, so a cap-and-trade system for carbon uh, dioxide emissions where they have to purchase allowances. Well, Washington created a system just like that in 2023, and so now – uh, what legislature wants to do, and they're literally debating it as we speak, um, is, is connect with California and Quebec's market. And we have talked enough about the problems of the CO2 market and the very high cost and other things like that, that I think you have a sense of where I stand on this. Yep. But my argument is, is that if, you know, we should make a bad system <laughs> as palatable as possible and not make it um, really awful, um, actually combining with California's system would be a good idea. And there's a very ironic reason, which is that as bad as California's system is, ours is even worse in Washington state. Yeah. So what would end up happening is, is that Washington's prices would probably go down, and the net result would be that California's prices would go up. California residents would probably subsidize Washington state residents because our system as it is is so bad. Now, you might suspect, Todd, and you'd be right, that I, I see this as the kind of subsidy that neither state, even if it benefits Washington State, should be doing. Because, we're, as you said, we're taking a bad idea and then we're making it worse, but we say at least it's cheaper for us because we're shoving some of the costs off on California. Well, I view California as these are our fellow American citizens. So you want to take your bad climate policy and make life more expensive for people in California. I mean, as much as we might joke in the Northwest about Californians, uh, is, is any of that legitimate? And does that, that kind of garbage have to be signed off on by the Congress? Because I thought when states began to make deals with other states, like uh, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and other states are in various compacts, but they have to be signed off on by Congress, don't they? No, you can you can join a market. Uh, you, uh -huh. you can negotiate it with California, and you're right. It would end up harming California um, and making people in California pay more. But California legislators and the governor would and there would have to sign off on it. We can't impose it on them. We can't join their market without their acquiescence without their support so um you know if they do it eyes wide open um that's on them and that's for the people of california to discuss with their own representatives now there what about rolling in though. quebec quebec is already there and what's interesting is is that ontario used to be part of this but ontario they changed their government and ontario pulled out um so you can pull out but one of the things that would actually benefit both Washington and California and Quebec is that because the cap-and-trade systems that we have, especially for CO2 and other things like that, are volatile, 
right? Weather, ch- changes in weather, increases in uh, demand for electricity can cause prices to go up and down very rapidly. Having a larger market um, reduces the risk of volatility, especially for a small market like Washington on our own, but also for California and Quebec. And so there is some benefit to all of them to, to join together. Can I throw a monkey wrench into that one? And you just tell me if I'm wrong. California is, what, 40 40 million people, right? So California, one year or a few years, has exceptionally cold winters, hot summers, you know, hotter than usual, and a low snowpack, so less hydro. And all of a sudden, California uh, is using more electricity, which I assume means if if they're actually using net more electricity, you're going to have more people buying carbon credits to to you know to manufacture that electricity. Could that kind of change in California end up jacking up the price for people in Washington? It's, it is possible, of course, but the, there is a risk if we don't, which is Washington CO two emissions tend to go up and down because of our weather changes. So yes, anytime you hook up to another jurisdiction, you assume some of their risks. What we have seen the experience thus far is that the risks of Washington going it alone are greater than the risks of joining California. Now, all of this is, you know, discussion of risk tolerance, of whether you trust the politicians in California, which I certainly don't. But fundamentally, I think what this shows also is the risks of very strict cap-and-trade systems like we have. It speaks to the danger of the very hard and very restrictive CO2 targets we have in Washington State that causes you to have to do sort of machinations like this to reduce the, the you know, the, the volatility and the risk that we have. Um, if you're in that system, it's best to, uh, it's a second best solution <laughs> to join a larger market. But I think as you and I agree, there's a better solution out there. Well, and not only that, uh, but this carbon credit trading, isn't there the, the strong likelihood that the initiative to the legislature 2117 is going to be passed by voters and is going to blow the whole thing up? Absolutely. And so that's, so this connection, this linkage with California wouldn't take effect for, it's going to take them some time just to negotiate it. So the, the, the vote on repealing the Climate Commitment Act will occur before we would have a linkage deal. So if that gets repealed, then yes, all of this goes away. Thank but God. if it doesn't, if the voters for whatever reason decide to keep the CO2 tax, um, this is a better way to do it. Uh, because it reduces the risk that we get very big spikes in prices, in which case be extremely economically damaging. Very good point. That's Todd Myers from the Washington Policy Center. Back in a moment, I want to get to your phone calls and emails. And I want to talk about a federal judge who's blocked a Texas law that allows law enforcement to arrest illegal aliens. You've got the Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. 
With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. At avma.org. Do you realize you can literally have Lars with you all day, every day? Podcasts at Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, and live right now. What a time to be alive. Here's Lars. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Let me ask you this. If if a state can decide that it's going to become a sanctuary state in America. Now, this is something that a number of states, a number of big cities have done. They've said, if you come here illegally, we're going to protect you with the law. We're going to pass a law and declare ourselves a sanctuary state for people who are violating America's immigration laws. Now, as I pointed out to you during Donald Trump's four years in office, he tried to shut down those actions by states and cities that said, we're going to protect illegal aliens who are breaking the law. Now, Texas went the other direction, and I was glad to see them do it. They passed a law that says the federal government is not enforcing immigration laws, and the laws are on the books. I mean, Joe Biden deciding not to enforce the law, to tell Customs and Border Protection, just allow people to come across the border. As you know, both Donald Trump, President Trump, is on our southern border today. So is Joe Biden. And I've told you before that the big difference between the two, Joe Biden decided to make his border trip only the second one in his entire lifetime to Brownsville, Texas, where there is very little of a border invasion problem. Donald Trump, on the other hand, went to Eagle Pass, Texas, which is ground zero for the uh, immigration problem in immigration invasion uh, that's being committed right now with Joe Biden's, uh, Joe Biden's aiding and abetting. But when in Texas, the state legislature said, if the federal government is not going to do this job, we are. Now, here's what happened. A federal judge has now blocked the Texas law. Did this late yesterday. The law allowed police to arrest illegal aliens who crossed into Texas illegally. So, in other words, the state of Texas has a right to protect itself. The federal government has a duty under the U.S. Constitution to protect the states against invasion. Texas is being invaded. If the federal government under Joe Biden says, we are not going to hold up to the Constitution, we are not going to protect you from this invasion, does the state of Texas have the ability to protect itself? This federal judge has now blocked the law. His name is David Allen Ezra. He was appointed by Ronald Reagan, so that was a long time ago. He issued a 114-page ruling that says that the law, and this is where it gets really crazy, threatens the fundamental notion that the United States must regulate immigration with one voice. All Texas is saying is, if you come into our state and you're entering from another country, 
you are in this in our state illegally. That's what they're doing. This federal judge says that it threatens the fundamental notion that the U.S. must regulate immigration with one voice. Fact is, Joe Biden threatens that notion and has every single day of his presidency. He issued a preliminary injunction that takes uh, uh, prevents the law from taking effect. And he says that he finds that Texas is unlikely to succeed on the merits. That means that when they go to the higher courts and appeal this, which I'm sure they will, he notes that the government would suffer grave irreparable harm if the law took place. If allowed to proceed, SB4, which is what they called the law, could open the door to each state passing its own version of immigration laws. The effect would be to moot the uniform regulation of immigration throughout the country. You know, I'd have one objection. I'm not a lawyer, but think about this. If somebody comes illegally into your country, are they immigrating to your country? They're physically moving into their into your country, but you're doing it against the law. I mean, in some ways, it would be like this. If you run a little store somewhere and uh, and people come into your store every day, and they come in, you know, they don't have to ask permission. They uh, they walk in the front door and they look at the things you have for sale and they decide whether or not to buy them or sell them or buy or sell at your store, depending on what you do for a living. If somebody enters your store late at night uh, and gets in without your permission, are they still considered a customer? See, this is the argument that the liberals want us to accept. Joe Biden's defenders say, whether somebody comes here by applying for immigration, by going through all the hoops, by meeting all the legal necessities of coming into this country legally, they are the same as somebody who just walks across the desert into California, into Arizona, into New Mexico, or into Texas, that they're treated the same. This isn't immigration. This is an invasion. And now this federal judge has said, you can't apply this law. I think that's absolutely insane because we've got, in fact, you really do have the same kind of situation. I know there was the case in Arizona during Barack Obama where Arizona said they declared that they were going to enforce federal immigration law and they lost in court because they were trying to enforce federal laws. States can't enforce federal laws. Federal laws have to be enforced by the federal government. But when the states, like New York, which has declared itself a sanctuary city, like Seattle, which has declared itself a sanctuary city, Portland, Los Angeles, San Francisco, they're all sanctuary cities. Tell me how this differs when the city of San Francisco says... We don't care what the immigration law is. We don't care that this guy came in illegally. We're going to protect him from the federal government enforcing his laws. That's going to be an easy pushback to what this judge is saying. The judge is saying you can't have your own immigration laws. Well, the federal government for the last 20 years has been allowing cities and states to declare themselves immigration or illegal alien sanctuaries. That's what they've been doing. So they've allowed states and cities to declare your immigration laws, federal government, do not apply here. Now, if you're going to allow that, can a state like Texas say immigration laws do apply? You're not enforcing them. So the state of Texas will. And frankly, Texas got more done in about six months of putting cargo containers and razor wire along that border 
They got more done in six months than Joe Biden could ever get done. He decided to go back the other direction and say, no, we're simply not going to enforce the laws. We're not going to live up to the Constitution. That one doesn't make any sense to me. But you know this is guaranteed to be appealed. SB4 gives the state and local government the authority to arrest illegal aliens who enter Texas from Mexico between the officially designated ports of entry under the law. Those who unlawfully come in can be charged with a state misdemeanor and face up to one year in jail. A felony charge can be leveled if illegals are charged with additional crimes while they're in the state or they don't comply with the judge's orders. And now the federal government, federal judges are just about, you know, they are unfireable for, to the largest extent. They're appointed for life to their jobs. They get paid the same whether they're working or retired. They sit there and they say, nobody can touch me. So I think what this federal judge was doing was trying to pave the way for Sleepy Joe's visit to his open borders uh, just today. And it's interesting. Donald Trump is mentioning Lake and Riley. The young lady, 22 years old, murdered in Georgia. Joe Biden? Joe Biden isn't mentioning her at all. In fact, Joe Biden stepped up the podium on this visit to the border. And you know what? He must have slipped another gear or something. He started talking, I kid you not, about climate change. That tells you how disconnected this guy is. Glad to get your calls at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. Before you are weeding out the right from the wrong, this is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. I was extraordinarily happy yesterday when I found out that Mitch McConnell is finally going to be shown the door. I think he realized that if he didn't say he was stepping down after the election this November as the current Senate minority leader, uh, that he was going to be out on his ear anyway. Uh, but uh, I was glad to see him go. It comes far too late. And it should be coming sooner than November, but I realize there are political implications to that as well. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the program the future Senate Minority Leader and come January Senate Majority Leader, Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee. What do you think, oh, Senator? Lars. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's a little far-fetched, but I am so happy to join you as always. I want to know if if you think I'm out of line that I think... Mitch, I understand he knows where all the bodies are buried. He somehow knows how to raise massive amounts of money. I think he's enriched himself personally, uh, and uh, it didn't all come from his wife and his wife's family. Uh, but but why has this guy been around so long when he seems to be a guy who routinely uh, disappoints conservatives uh, who theoretically should should like their Senate minority leader, except he doesn't seem to do us too many favors? Well, and what I'm going to say is we thank him for his service to the country. Between now and November, I am going to focus on us taking the Senate majority so that we have a Republican majority leader that we will elect in November. And I am also going to put my energy into President Donald Trump going back to the White House. And, and I applaud all of that. Senator Blackburn, let me be blunt about it. 
What good does it do us to have a, even if we have Trump in the White House, which I support as well, and a majority in both the House and the Senate, if we don't do anything with it? And the last time we had that in Trump's first two years, I don't think the, the, the House and the Senate did much to accomplish the things they could have. They all seemed to be focused on, on politics and maybe where they were going next, like Paul Ryan, who managed to land very, very nicely in a very lucrative set of gigs that he got after being House Speaker. But I don't think he did us any favors. And on the Senate side, I wasn't very happy with the fact that the, the Democrats seem to always accomplish things when they're in the minority uh, or when they're in the majority. They, they go farther when they're in the majority. But the Republicans always say, we've got to get the majority back. I agree. But then you've got to do something with it. If we get it back, can we do something with it? I certainly am planning to, and I'll continue to push legislation that I have, provisions that would secure the southern border, provisions that would deal with inflation, provisions that would cut, not just freeze, but cut what we spend because our debt is out of control. Provisions that would freeze federal hiring and federal salaries and reshape the federal government. And I've worked on those issues in the past. I will continue every day now working on those issues. And with a Republican Senate and a Republican in the White House, I continue to press those and let's get them across the finish line. It's what the American people want to see. I want to know what you think about the fact that both President Biden and President Trump are visiting the border uh, today. Trump's been down there before. Joe Biden's been down there exactly once before. Uh, and what we should expect out of any of that. And uh, what we know is the Border Patrol Union had invited President Trump to come back down. He went uh, at the invitation of them and the governor to see what they've done there in Eagle Pass. And he was very warmly received. President Biden, again, his second trip ever to the southern border. He goes to the wrong address again. He sees a sanitized, cleaned up version. He takes a few pictures. He blames Republicans for the issues at the border. And then he gets back on Air Force One and he leaves. Okay. So very different, very different trips. And what we know is that you can pass all the laws there are and Joe Biden is not going to secure that southern border because his border policy is an open border. You know, I want to ask you about something else coming out of the White House about this subject. But what does it say when Joe Biden is the chief executive of the United States? The CBP, Customs and Border Protection, is a uh, is a federal executive branch agency. And the head of the union that represents all the border agents came out uh, late last night or this morning and said Joe Biden don't let the don't let our name come out of your mouth. I mean it's very clear that there's a big difference of opinion between Joe Biden and his border policies and what those border agents think we should be doing. Oh, of course there's a different thing. And here is where the the crux of that issue is. Donald Trump 
listen to the border patrol he said they told him they needed three things they needed a physical barrier they needed better technology where they could not have a barrier and they needed more officers and agents and donald trump said great we'll build a wall that's where the phrase build the wall came from and then you've got joe biden who in his first 100 days in office took 94 executive actions and orders to weaken border security and to weaken immigration law and make it easier to have illegal immigrants coming into this country and acting like it was legal. I, people are sick of this. You know, Lars, I think that they look around in their communities and they see the impact of fentanyl. It's the largest killer of Americans ages 18 to 45. They see what is happening with crime in their communities, with gangs that are coming into communities that have never had a gang. You talk to any law enforcement officer, they will tell you we cannot get our hands around the issues with the drugs and with crime and with thefts and with carjackings and smash and grabs until the southern border is secured. They see what is happening with drug dealers. They see what is happening with human traffickers and with sex traffickers and they're saying no this is not how we want to live we have to secure the border you're right and the other human damage let's see an 11 year old girl raped for 20 minutes by an illegal alien in utah two 14 year olds one in louisiana one in maryland raped by illegal aliens and 22 year old uh a uh, 22-year-old Ms. Riley uh, murdered, uh, and the man accused is an illegal alien. So I want to I want to ask you something, Senator. Uh, you're the bright light of Tennessee, and yet you're going to turn down the job, my offer of the job of Senate Minority Leader or Majority Leader come January. Who should get the job? I I don't know. I think you're going to see someone that is going to push forward aggressively with a Republican agenda. I think they're going to bring uh, new voices into the conversation. They're going to work on the agenda the American people want to see pushed forward, which is a secure border, reducing inflation, looking at job security, having our allies know they're our ally, and having our enemies fear us, and making certain that crime in the communities is addressed. Well, I still think you should run for the job, Senator Blackburn. Thank you very much for the time. You got it. Take care. Bye. Take care, ma'am. That's Senator Marsha Blackburn from the great state of Tennessee. Back in a moment, I'll get to your calls. You want to join the best conversation in talk journalism? It's 866-HEY-LARS. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Check us out on Instagram, and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. 
So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Go to bbbadtruth.org. On demand, wherever and whenever you want it. Get the podcasts all day, every day at LarsLarson.com. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. We encourage you to call and join in the best conversation and talk journalism. You can also always vote in our poll on X. We used to call it the Twitter poll. Now it's the X poll. Should we test welfare recipients for drugs? Uh, the question is simple. It has to do with the fact that Tuesday next week, the city of San Francisco, which is notoriously one of the most liberal cities in America, is going to vote on whether or not to demand drug testing for welfare recipients. That's everything. SNAP, TANF, Section 8, Medicaid, the whole nine yards. Um, and you say, well, that's never going to pass in a liberal city like San Francisco. Well, actually, the polls say about two-thirds of the voters on Tuesday, on Super Tuesday next week, uh, are expected to vote for Proposition F. And Proposition F would require exactly that. I would say, yes, we should test, drug test, welfare recipients. Uh, today's poll is found at Lars Larson Show, and it's brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Should Oregon and Washington ditch their urban growth boundaries to get more housing? That was yesterday's question. I was kind of stunned. The... Uh, the poll was about as close to 50-50 as we've ever seen. 51% of you said yes, 49% said no. I'd love to get some of those naysayers and call and tell me why they want the government to put artificial limits on land. You know, they're not marketplace limits or anything else. They're just the government saying you can't build a house. It is illegal to build a house on that land. What possible benefit could you see in that? Here it calls now. Let's go to Mike. Hey, Mike, thanks for listening on the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Uh, talking about graffiti. From uh, yesterday, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I wrote a letter, I wrote a letter back in uh, January 2021 to uh, uh, Ted Wheeler, and uh, I've had no response from him in this amount of time. Uh, I go out uh, quite often, and I clean graffiti. Uh, Good for you. And uh, Mike, our audience, now. my audience, and and myself, we have no idea what was in the letter or why you didn't get a response. What was it you want to tell my audience about that, about the subject of graffiti vandalism, which is already a crime, and you can go to jail for it, but nobody seems to want to prosecute these people. What did you want to tell my audience about it? Well, I, I told them I'm embarrassed uh, living in the city of Portland, how bad it is, and uh, that... Nothing has been done. Nothing gets done, and yeah. it's time that we clean this city up. And uh, it just 
it just never happened. And I wrote a letter to uh, Rene Gonzalez in uh, t January of 2024. And I've what did no you say in the letter, Mike? Can you tell us in a word or two, what did you say in the letter? In, just clean uh, it up? No, I said that uh, I gave him examples of where it is and it needs to be cleaned up and that I go out and clean it up and uh, it, it it really make important look terrible. It's, it's, yeah, uh, I, I would agree with you about all of that, and I appreciate the call. Let's go to Dave. Hey, Dave, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Yeah, um, I kind of got a different take on this uh, illegal alien thing. Yeah. They're letting these people into the country, and they're trying to get them into the military. Uh, they, they can COVID, try, but they can't do it legally right right now. Right, but they're trying to. And uh, during COVID, uh, they got rid of a lot of the conservative people that were in the military and a lot of veterans. Um, what I'm thinking, if anything comes down where they need to, or where they think they need to declare martial law, most of the people in the military are not going to be uh, congenial with shooting at their friends, relatives, you know. Uh, That's but if true. you have a bunch of people from other countries who have no connection with the people in this country other than the free stuff they get, uh, they shouldn't have a compunction with them. Uh, pulling down on the rest of it. And that's possible if they ever change the laws and allowed illegals to serve in various branches of the military, and if they became a majority of military members, perhaps that would be the case. But, Dave, I appreciate the call. Let's go to Danny. Hey, Danny, welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Well, hey there. How are you doing today? Quite well. Well, I want to tell you... Um... I, I am very positive for having people uh, drug tested if they're going to use uh, the system. So I've been a part of it a couple of times in my life. I am on food stamps right now, and I know what they're called and the, the card and all that. But I, I, uh, uh, I am drug-free, and I'm proud to Good be drug-free. I had a bit of a situation some years back, but I'm clean and I'm proud of it. And I think anybody who is on the system ought to be able to be drug tested because it is, it's an easy system to be taken advantage of. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Stilgar in Taquilla. Hey, Stilgar, welcome to the, North, the network. We've got just a moment. What's on your mind? Well, I just wanted to say that there are those of us who don't want the urban growth boundaries moved, and in my case, it's uh, it's kind of a selfish reason in this, in that they uh, I'm up against the urban growth boundary, and that allowed me to fight annexation from the local municipality. So I'm under county rules and not under city rules, uh, with all those things that entail. There were several more reasons, but uh, for me personally to stay out of the city that I'm a, that I'm adjacent to. Um, but basically, the urban growth boundary is mostly just a uh, for density reasons, not necessarily that there's no development in an outside urban. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. 
For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com. View the videos and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.